So living in the goodness of God, I hope you are living in the goodness of God and that you've learned something so far in this series that we're doing. Today we'll be focusing on verse 5, which is the scripture that says, you prepare a banquet for me in front of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What a beautiful scripture. And I think we could actually preach on this one for a few weeks, but we're going to try and squeeze it all into one Sunday today and um, look at these three phrases that we have in verse 5. But first of all, last week, well done, men, by the way, we're so proud of you. Well done for pulling off a good service last Sunday. Let's give them a hand. The two gentlemen who were sharing with us on verse 4, they were talking about the valleys in our lives, if you remember last week. And, you know, when you think of the valleys and the mountaintops, the mountain peaks are, the, are actually short moments in our lives. There's a whole lot more of going downhill in the valley, going uphill, than there's in the mountaintops. And so it was so beautiful to be reminded last week that God is not just the God of your mountaintop experiences. God is with you no matter what you go through. If it's the valley of the shadow of death or whatever valley, um, um, Nicholas was talking about valleys of barrenness, grief, failure, fear, conflict, there's so many different valleys, so many different battles that we face in life, and you are probably here today, and maybe you're in one of these kind of battles or valleys right now, Well, today's message is for you. Because sometimes we can ask ourselves, where is God, where is God's goodness in the midst of my challenges? Because most of my life, I'm not on a mountaintop. Most of my life, I'm going through something hard. I'm faced with conflict and challenge and difficulties and Oh, I wish there were more mountaintops, but that's just the way life is. And how does God show his goodness to us in the midst of those hard times, in those battle times? The first part of the scripture is you prepare a banquet for me in front of all my enemies. Now, I just want us to take a moment to look at this and what it's saying. First of all, it's God who prepares this banquet, this feast. God is the host, okay? Now imagine God coming to you with an invitation to a feast, and he's hosting it. This is what the scripture says. And secondly, no, you can stay on the other one. God prepares this banquet. It would be a wonderful thing if God just said to you, come and hang over at my house, and we'll get out from the fridge whatever's there and throw together a meal. But this is more than that. God has prepared a feast for you. It is well planned. He's got some of your favorite delicacies on that table. This is a beautiful privilege that God is making for us. So it's God who's hosting. He's preparing a big banquet. This word banquet, when you look at the original word, it's shulkan, and it means 
a king's table. It's one of these long tables. Have you seen in the medieval times where you have the castles and you have these big king's tables? Maybe even today in some of the um, um, palaces that we have kings and queens still, they still have these long big tables that are many meters long. And often you see the king sitting at the end of the table. And then when he throws a party, he has lots of people, maybe 20, 25, 30 people can sit around this long, big table. So it's a huge feasting table. It's a king's table. And this table, God has prepared specially a feast. And who's that feast for? You are the guest of honor. You Nobody else, not your neighbor, (laughs) it's you. God has prepared a feast for you. The other thing about this banquet is it's in a public place. It's not in a private place, but it's public. God is doing it in front of lots of people. Why? Because God wants to honor you. God wants to show people around you that, hey, My favor is on this person. I love this person. I'm proud to be associated with this person. They're my child. I love them. This is what the banquet feast is all about. Not only is it in front of people, but God is actually doing it in front of your enemies. What? It's those people who speak against you, those people who ill-treat you, those people who make your life rough. God wants to honor you in front of those people. What a good God we serve. And this banquet is happening on a battlefield, okay, in front of all your enemies. So it's in one of those valleys, those conflicts, those hard times you're passing through, and you feel like you've got enemies around you, and God says, time out, stop, I'm calling a feast, I've planned a feast, I've prepared a banquet for my child. And I want you to feast together with me in front of your enemies. I want to honor you in front of your enemies. What is our enemy? Well, we've got different enemies in our lives. And the first one is the world around us. How many times are we challenged by our friends at school or our workmates when we want to stand up for what is right and they make fun of us? if we don't want to compromise. And you want to stand for the right thing. You want to serve God. You want to follow Him. And your friends make fun of you. Do you know in that situation, God wants to come and throw a feast for you and honor you for standing up for Him? So the world around us can be our enemy oftentimes. The devil is also against us. We know He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't have a good agenda for our life. He is also our enemy. But there's a third enemy also in our lives, and sometimes this is the worst one. It's the enemy within us. It's our own flesh, our our old nature within us. How many times do we battle with pride and selfishness and self-centeredness and jealousy and anger and all these kind of things, and those become our enemies as well. And sometimes we feel in this battle and we're just like, oh God, I just need victory, I just need breakthrough in this, and we have these different battles that we fight. But God says, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the hardship that you're facing, I'm calling time out right now. 
I want to throw a feast for you. I just want to celebrate you because I believe in you and I love you and you're precious to me. What does this banquet symbolize? You know, when somebody invites you for a meal, it's because they want to hang out with you, spend time with you. Yeah? This banquet symbolizes that God wants and he welcomes fellowship with you. Isn't that so beautiful? God both wants, but he also desires. He longs for fellowship with you. God wants to hang out with you. Do you know God loves you so much that he actually likes being around you? Wants to spend time with you. Let's look at Psalms chapter 5 and verse 11. In the Message Bible, it says, But you'll welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebration. So God is welcoming you with open arms. And you can say, yes, God, but I haven't got victory in this area yet. I've fallen so many times. I just feel burdened by guilt and shame and, and whatever else it may be. And God says, that's okay. That's all right. I love you. And I'm welcoming you with open arms. Let's just take time out in this battle and let's just have fellowship together. Let's have a party in the combat zone and a banquet on the battlefield. Song of Songs in chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, He has brought me to his banqueting place, and his banner over me is love. This is God's word to you this morning. He's calling you to fellowship, and he desires you to know that his banner over you this morning is love. Yes, you're not perfect. None of us are. But his banner over you this morning is love. God just wants to shower you with his love and say, hey, I believe in you. You're precious, my son and my daughter. This is the goodness of God in our lives. When God wants to bless our life, there's nothing that even the critics can do about it. Let's look at Job chapter 36 and verse 16. It says, God is gently calling you from the jaws of trouble to an open place of freedom where he has set your table full of the best food. So if you're in that place today and you're saying, yep, I'm in the jaws of trouble, I've got trouble and I don't even know what to do right now. God is gently calling you this morning into an open place of freedom where he set a table for you with the best of food. What a good God we serve. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is tenderly inviting you to dine with him. What has got you anxious and disturbed and distressed? What is keeping you up at night? You can't sleep because you're thinking and you're worried and you're concerned. God is saying, hey, I'm calling you to a banquet. I want to host a feast for you and I want you to be my guest of honor. So what's on the menu? Everything that God has promised in his word. You know, there are more than, there's around 5,500 promises in the word of God. And each one of those are yours to claim. And that's why it's so important for us to live in the word. Because God's word is our food. It is our bread. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So your banquet is in your Bible. And if you don't know it well, you need to, because 
what you need for nourishment and strength in your life is found in God's Word. Psalms 119 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Hallelujah. So God is calling you to the banqueting table. We're going to move on to the next part of the scripture that says, You anoint my head with oil. In the Old Testament, when someone got anointed, often they'd take a whole bottle of olive oil and pour over them, and it would pour all the way down their face, on their clothes, and all the way dripping onto the floor. We're not quite that generous today. We often use a little bit of anointing oil, but it has the same significance, the oil. You know, we do it outwardly, externally. It's a symbol that represents an internal work that God is doing in our lives. Just like baptism. You know, when you get baptized, there's no magic in the water. And when you go under, suddenly you're saved because the water did something funny to you. No. Baptism simply is an outward symbolic gesture that we make to say, I've died with Christ and I've risen with him to new life. And it's an internal thing that God does, but externally we show it by being baptized. So even when we are anointed, it's something that God does internally in our lives. When God anoints us, he gives us insight. He gives us ability. He gives us stamina and authority and protection. That's what comes with God's anointing in our lives. And the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You anoint me with oil. He anoints us with the Holy Spirit. It speaks of God's presence in our lives, God's blessing, and his approval upon us. In the Bible times, in the Old Testament, there were only three types of people who got anointed. So it was a unique privilege for the few. It was only prophets, priests, and kings who got anointed, okay? But under the new covenant, we're so blessed because in 1 Peter 2, 9, the Bible says that you are a chosen people and a royal priesthood. God has made us sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And so his anointing, which was only reserved for a certain few in the Old Testament, is now available to each one of us in our lives. And therefore, God wants to anoint your head with oil this evening. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. You are not an accident. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're significant, and God has a calling upon you. Now, many times we think a calling is only if you're called to ministry or to serve God, like going as a missionary to Tunisia or something like that, then you need a calling. But every one of us has a calling upon our life. Whether God's called you to be a business person or a politician or a musician or even a mechanic, it doesn't matter what God has gifted you for. He wants to anoint you in that calling so that you can excel in whatever he's called to you to do. God wants to, you to excel. And so whatever area in your life brings fulfillment and joy and where God's gifted you in, that's most probably where he's called you as well. And this morning, after when we come to the end of, of my sharing, we're going to take a moment to pray for you 
If you know what that calling is on your life and you'd like us to pray God's anointing over that calling in your life, then we want you to speak out that calling when you come for prayer and we will bless you in that, that you will excel and prosper and do well in that calling. And if you're here today and you say, I don't really know even what God's called me to, we can pray with you that God will let you know because he wants to anoint you to fulfill that which he's called you to. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, God has made us what we are. You're not an accident. He's made you what you are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. So God's planned it already for you. He's got good works that he wants you to walk in, but we can't do that effectively without his anointing. We need God's anointing in our lives to fulfill our calling, no matter what that calling is in your life. So let me just share a few things about the anointing. First of all, number one, what God appoints, when God appoints me, he anoints me. Okay. When God gives you a calling, he also gives you the empowerment to be able to do it. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. What he has begun in you, he is able to complete. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That anointing, that power enables you to accomplish what God has called you to do, the calling that he has on your life to succeed and to excel and to shine for Jesus in this world. Number two, God's anointing makes me a better person. Wouldn't you like to be a better person? <laughs> the anointing makes you a better person. I'm just reading from 1 Samuel in the Old Testament where the prophets, the, the, the priest Samuel went to anoint Saul. He was just an average Joe going around doing his average day thing. But when the priest came along and anointed him, his life changed. It says in verse um, 1, Samuel took a flask of olive oil and he poured it on Saul's head and he kissed him saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And then later on in verse 6 and 7, it says, the, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with the other prophets. And you will be changed into a different person. So when God's anointing and power comes on us, you're still you, but there's an empowerment that comes upon you. And you will prophesy with them and cha be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. This is God's desire for you as we walk in his anointing, that he can bless the work of our hands, that everything that we do and we touch prospers. Number three, God's, God's anointing makes difficult tasks easier. How many of us want our tasks a little bit easier? Yeah, life can be pretty rough with, with, with God's anointing. Those tasks become even easier. It says in Ephesians 3.16, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you 
with inner strength through his spirit. So this is what the anointing does. It empowers us on the inside with strength to be able to overcome and to do whatever he's given us to do. And you know this flows from a place that is God's glorious unlimited resources. I think that's so beautiful. God's glorious unlimited resources. You know, you, if you draw from any other well here on earth, whatever it might be, those wells run dry. There's, there's a limit to them. But there's one place, there's one source that never runs dry, and that is God's glorious unlimited resources. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what is pumping in your veins this morning? Is it adrenaline or is it anointing? Which one? Number four, God's anointing makes the impossible possible. Wow. Sometimes we're faced with impossible situations. We do not know the way through, but God can make it possible. It says in Luke 18, verse 27, God's anointing makes the impossible possible. God's anointing makes the impossible possible. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Wow. Isn't this anointing powerful? It can just do a whole lot of good things in our lives. And this is because God is so good. He wants each of us to receive this anointing afresh in our lives. Number five, God anoints my life to bless others. Okay, so as much as this anointing is awesome and great and makes you successful and makes you excel, God has more in mind than just you. God wants to bless you and anoint your life so that you can bless other people. And that is God's desire in our lives. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says about Jesus, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, so here we see Jesus, when he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, it was only when he received that anointing, then he went around doing good. So we're following Jesus' footsteps, right? And when God's anointing, his Holy Spirit, his power comes upon us, it is to empower us to be a blessing to others. So whether you are in, in church work, in fivefold ministry or not, wherever God has placed you out there, in your jobs or um, in your workplaces, in your schools. When God has anointed you, you have the power to make a difference, to pray for the sick when you meet them. If you're in a shop and you see somebody struggling and somebody um, um, sick, reach out and pray for them. The anointing is upon you to do that. We don't need to hold back. When the anointing is upon us, God wants you to be a blessing to others. And you need to walk around with this awareness in your life so that when you see need around you, you reach out and you be a blessing. That's what God has called us as his children to do. 
Number six, last one. For every new challenge, I need a fresh anointing. For every new challenge. Now, the thing about God's anointing, anointing is not something that can really be stored up, that you can use it for the rest of your life. We need fresh anointing from the Lord because we leak. Did you know that? You got holes in you like a sieve. And the anointing that you got last year or last week is not enough for today. We need fresh anointing for every new task and calling and, 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 and thing that God has placed upon your life. We need to seek a fresh anointing from God, a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon us. It's not good enough to do it once in your life. We can do it again and again to come to that flow of God's anointing and receive afresh for him. So this scripture, James chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, you don't have because you don't ask. Sometimes why we're not seeing God's anointing in our lives, sometimes why we're not seeing the breakthrough and the blessing upon what we're doing is because we haven't asked him for it. We haven't received his anointing in our lives. But God's desire is for you to excel and be blessed in all that you want, that you are doing. God wants to bless you in ways you have not even imagined. Let's look at Psalms 84 and verse 11. It says, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Favor is another word for anointing as well. The Lord bestows anointing, favor, and honor. And no good thing does he withhold from them who walk uprightly. This is God's desire for you. He's the most generous person in the universe. And he wants to pour out his blessing in your life. So when God anoints your business, guess what? It brings you success. If we look at Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 39... There's a scripture there, verse 2, that says, The Lord greatly blessed Joseph there in the home of his master, so that everything he did succeeded. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could say that over your life? Everything that I do succeeds because God's favor, his honor, his blessing is upon me. And when God anoints your body, it brings healing. Mark chapter 6 and verse 13 says, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So the anointing oil can be used in different ways, both for physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, restoration in your life, blessing upon your calling. Whatever the need is that we have, God is able to release that anointing into our lives. And you know, we're going to do this this morning because it is a biblical thing to do. And I don't think we do it often enough, but today is our opportunity to do it. In James chapter 5, the Word of God says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And we're going to do that today. We're going to call some of our leaders to the front, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come to the front and to be anointed with oil in the name of the Lord and be prayed for. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Just before we go um, to do this, I just want to speak briefly on the last scripture, um, the last part of this verse 5. After you anoint my head with oil, it says my cup overflows. Wow. John chapter 7. On the last day, the climax of the holidays, Jesus shouted to the crowds, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water shall flow from the inmost being of anyone who believes in me. This is God's promise to us, that those rivers of living water will be flowing out of our lives. And the question this morning is, are you overwhelmed or are you overflowing? Which one is it? If you're overwhelmed today by the troubles and the cares of this world, I have good news for you. God wants to throw a banquet for you and celebrate you in the midst of your trouble and your conflict. He wants to anoint your head with oil. And the result would be that your cup overflows. And out of that overflow, you're able to bless other people. This promise is made to anyone who believes in Jesus. And that word believes means to trust in, to cling to, to depend on, to rely on. Not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. You know him personally, and you're clinging to him with your life. When we choose to believe in him in that way, God declares that those rivers will flow in our lives. So an overflowing life is a life that's filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness. Wouldn't we all want to live in that place? I know I would, where there's, we're filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness.